Welcome to another episode of Investing Compass. Before we begin, a quick note that the information contained in this podcast is general in nature. It does not take into consideration your personal situation, circumstances, or needs. So you might remember that we did have an episode a little while back on influencers, and we kind of took the mickey out of them a little bit. Um, but I did not know we had an influencer in our midst. We've got... <laughs> Don't look at me that way. <laughs> Mark has a... Um, well, he has a personal Instagram account, but he also has a second Instagram account um, where he goes and tries restaurants and uploads pictures of them. I mean, it's, I think it's the most embarrassing thing that I do. <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty ashamed of the whole thing, but yet I somehow still do it. The captions are quite funny, though. I know. I spend way too much time thinking about them. <laughs> um, so what was the latest one? While you do explore that, I'm going to quickly bring it up and find a good caption. You're going to find a good caption. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, no, I went to uh, I went to that place, Fire Door. Um, so it's that's in Surrey Hills. It is, yeah. and it's gotten some press. Um, it was on because you went there. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I went there. Um, <laughs> previous previous to my like 25 Instagram followers, uh, it was on that show, Chef's Table. Oh yeah. And so yeah, no, it was it was pretty good. Um, they there was an amazing steak, but they've got kind of this thing if i can complain about the restaurant they've got this set menu and so like everyone goes for the steak right like mm-hmm. you go so you eat the steak and they didn't have it on the set menu and then it was a supplement yeah right so it's a little bit annoying right so you basically show up you have to buy the set menu and then you have to pay for the steak mm. um, but how was it was it, worth uh, it? I mean, it was it was amazing it was amazing okay. and big shout out to my pregnant friend nat who was there with me but took one for the team and God allowed us to order the steak medium rare. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't be saying <laughs> this. Should I? Should I not be saying this? Are people going to attack her now? No. So um, I, I have brought up your Instagram. Okay. And um, I really like Mark goes to very fancy restaurants and all the food looks excellent. And there's actually um, my curry on there. I made you curry one night and you put it onto your Instagram account. And the caption is "Curiosity killed the cat." <laughs> okay, I think we should move on to the episode now. <laughs> I have one more, one more. Okay, um, it is. You um, are in Singapore, and um, there's Singapore chili crab, and your caption is "Another diagnosis of crabs." <laughs> now we definitely need to move on. Okay, <laughs> today we're going to talk about derivatives, and before you start to switch off this episode, we promise that we'll make this relevant. Relevant. Mm. Yeah, I mean relevant. Well, we'll do our best, right? Yeah. So that's that is a lot of pressure. It is. And you think most people are sort of fiercely flipping through their podcast app trying to find a different investing podcast. Yeah, we have to be like the Bill Nye of, of derivatives. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. People people are looking for very simple podcasts, right? <laughs> that say that like video games are popular, buy this video game thematic ETF and you will be rich. Yeah, definitely. Like it's almost a bit of a challenge to get that rich yeah, so i like, do like monopoly man <laughs> yeah, rich right? exactly monopoly man rich so i do think that people probably want to know how rich is monopoly man rich well i mean i think pretty rich right he has a top hat that's pretty fancy yeah, you don't you, see many top hats these days exactly people aren't sitting around like cutting coupons in a top hat <laughs> um slash from guns and roses had a top hat and i imagine he's very wealthy mm, these are the insights that we provide on investing combos. Exactly. But before we get started, why don't we talk a bit about how we're planning to make this relevant? Okay. So we're obviously going to explain what a derivative is, but we're also going to look at the two things that they're used for. So hedging and speculation. 
And we'll talk about the current environment right now where they're being used more so for speculation. And I think at least, I think you think as well, Shani, that there are some things happening that should trouble all investors mm. and sort of, you know, shows another example of where we are in kind of this fear to greed spectrum. Yeah, not a lot of fear going on if you're buying naked call options. And if you don't know what that means, and don't worry, by the end of this episode, you will. So let's start basic, Mark. What is a derivative? Okay, so a derivative is simply a financial instrument that derives its value from the price of something else. So as investors, we understand that a share and a bond, or at least investing compass investors, we understand that a share or bond is not just a piece of paper. It's something tangible. So it's an ownership stake in a company or a loan to a government or a company in the case of a bond. And we know that commodities, so oil and iron ore and everything else, that's something real and tangible, and they represent key inputs into economic activity. And if we look at currency, right? So that's a means to exchange labor for goods and services. And the relative values of different currencies are based on supply and demand, which is driven by trading patterns and relative levels of interest rates. But a derivative is just a contract that's based on some other underlying asset. So hopefully this will make more sense when we go through some examples. So Shani, why don't you first start out and talk about some different types of derivatives? All right. So we can divide derivatives up into two high-level categories, lock and option. Let's start with the lock category, which includes swaps, futures, and forwards. These are financial contracts that bind two parties together in set terms that are in force over the life of the contract. Why don't we use a swap as an example, because this is a derivative we aren't going to talk about too much today. So a credit default swap, which played a starring role in the GFC, is a contract between two parties where one party agrees to pay the other one some cash or a premium over the course of the contract. In exchange, the party receiving the cash or premium agrees to reimburse the other party if the borrower defaults. Yeah. So in this case, the derivative or the credit default swap derives its value from the underlying bond. All right. So there's that second category. Tell us about the option category. Charlie. All right. So this is the second type of derivative, and it's a little bit different because it gives the holder of the derivative the right, but not the obligation, to buy a security at a certain price before the contract expires. And this type of derivative is called an option. So when you buy an option on a share, you pay a premium for the right, but not the obligation to buy the share at a certain price, which is known as a strike price. Okay. So let's we'll do a simple example. So let's say you have a call option on a share with a strike price of $10 that expires on January 15th. So that means you get the right to purchase that share anytime before January 15th at $10. So if the share price is trading at $5, you would not ex execute that right or exercise that option because you wouldn't pay $10 for something that you could buy for $5. However, if the share price was at $15, you would definitely do that because you could buy the share for $10 and immediately turn around and sell it for $15. A call option is the right to buy a share at a certain price, and a put option is the right to sell a share at a certain price. And to get this right to buy or sell a share, you pay something that is called a premium, which is just a certain amount of money that is dependent on the price of an option. That price can be influenced by all sorts of factors, including the current price of the share, the strike price, the risk-free rate, the time until it expires, and volatility. Yeah, and this, and this option pricing, it's complicated. So... It's complicated. A lot of the strategies around options are complicated. And it's also something that we don't believe most investors should be doing. So if you're looking for a tutorial on how to trade options, you are in the wrong place. Instead, we're going to focus today on concepts that we think are more relevant for all investors. We have one more thing to explain, though, to give this context. So why do people use derivatives, Shani? 
Well, there are two main uses for derivatives, to hedge or to speculate. Let's start with hedging. Hedging is the act of limiting or removing a risk that you're facing. You would use a derivative to hedge a risk if either you already own something that fluctuates in price or you have to buy or sell something in the future that fluctuates in price. So why don't you run us through an example, Mark? I mean, you missed an obvious joke there when you said to hedge or to speculate. The whole Shakespeare <laughs> riff, miss- to hedge <laughs> or not to hedge. No? That's a bit of a reach. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry for being literate. Okay. So why don't we run through a investing example and a non-investing example? So I could use a put option to protect myself from fluctuations in a share that I own. So let's say that I own 100 shares of CBA, and I'm worried that the price is going to fall. I can be worried it's going to fall because I plan on selling it on a certain day in the future to pay for something. So that's, that's a good example. So I could buy a put option. So as we record this, CBA is trading at around $97. So if I wanted to hedge my downside risk or risk that I lose money in CBA, I could purchase a put option at, let's say, a strike price of 90 I would pay a premium for this option, and it would give me the right, but not the obligation, to sell my shares at $90. So if CBA share price crashes while that option is still in effect, I could sell it for $90, even if it dropped to, I don't know, $50. So that, of course, limits the downside of my position to $7 a share, since it's currently trading at 97 and I purchased the right to sell at 90 So in this case, if the price of CBA didn't move at all, I would lose my premium that I paid, but I still wouldn't have to execute this put. The other option, of course, is if I needed a certain commodity or currency at some time in the future and I was worried that the price would change. So let's say I'm a steel maker and I have a customer that comes to me and says that they want to place a really big order for steel with me in one year because they're building a building at that time. So we sign a contract where I agree to supply them with steel in one year for a certain price, but now I've got a problem. I know that the major cost of making this steel will be iron ore, and I also know that iron ore fluctuates a lot in price. So in this case, I can hedge that iron ore obligation I have by using a derivative called a future. A future is a derivative that is a contract for buying iron ore in the future at a specified price. That is, in essence, locking in the future price. That means I'm protected because if iron ore goes up in price, I've already purchased the futures contract and will just get it delivered. If it goes down in price, I will simply close the futures contract and buy the iron ore at the current market price. Okay, so this is hedging. I won't Mm -hmm. do my Shakespeare joke again. But (laughs) hedging occurs when you either have a current asset that you want to protect or a future obligation that you need to fulfill. The other side, of course, is speculation. And that occurs when you have neither of these. If I buy an option or a future without owning the underlying asset or having a future obligation to transact that asset, then I'm simply buying it because I think I know where the price is going to move. This bet on the price is speculation. A good analogy is insurance because hedging is really just insurance. If you have a family that needs your wages to survive, then you would buy life insurance so they have money to pay for their life if you passed away. If you just saw somebody that you didn't know and whose death would have no impact on you financially, but you thought that they looked a bit frail and decided to buy life insurance on them because you wanted to make some money, then that would be speculation. So for the record, Shani was laughing because she was looking at me when she went through that analogy. You can't get up, Mark. You know, I can get up. I got here. It's painful to get up, but I will do it. I'm not going to sleep in this chair. All right. So let's take this speculation analogy a bit further. So it'd be like finding this random frail person, and I'm right here in Barangaroo, if you're looking for me, um, and buying life insurance on them, but having 
but needing them to die in the next month to get the payout. Because many retail investors use options to speculate, and most options contracts are relatively short in duration. And this is where investors should be wary because the use of options and naked options, which is what they're called when you don't own the underlying share, has exploded in popularity. So we'll get back to the speculation and why you should worry about it. But first, let's talk about some of the good things that derivatives can do for you as an investor. We are certainly not proponents of everyday investors using derivatives, but they are used in some popular products like funds and ETFs. For example, any inverse ETF or fund uses derivatives. These are often called bear ETFs and produce positive returns when the market goes down. For example, BetaShares has an ETF called Bear, which moves inversely to the ASX 200 and also offers two more products, one that is inverse to the US market and one that is a strong Bear ETF for the Aussie market where returns are amplified even more than Bear. Yeah, I definitely take a hard pass on on all of these, but we are using them as an example because they use futures to get that negative return. A future is a contract that obligate the parties to transact an asset at a predetermined future date and price. They do this by selling futures contracts. And since their prices are based on the futures market, there can be some differences in returns. In this case, the inverse returns. So you can go back and listen to our Bitcoin ETF episode to hear some details. And that, of course, is another ETF that uses derivatives. Imagine my surprise that you don't like these. What about Yeah, current- predictable. <laughs> I'm very predictable. What about currency hedging? Okay. Well, a number of funds and ETFs that invest globally have another version that removes currency movements. When you're investing globally, you get the return of the underlying securities, but you also get the impact of the currency movements. If you're investing overseas from Australia, you want the Aussie dollar to fall. And right now, that is working well because the Aussie dollar is falling. Exactly. But if you want to remove that currency risk, you can get the hedge version, which uses forward contracts to lock in the exchange rate between the Aussie dollar and wherever you are investing. So the difference between a forward contract and a futures contract is that forwards don't trade on an exchange, so they aren't standardized. And this allows the fund or ETF provider to customize those contracts based on their own specific needs. So these are some examples of how derivatives are used in funds and ETFs, but let's move on. Morningstar Investor is built for investors by investors. It provides independent research and data on over 40,000 securities, tools to build and maintain an investment portfolio, and investor education resources to support you, regardless of where you are in your investing journey. Explore opportunities with our monthly global best ideas. Explore our ETF model portfolios, Plan better with two years of dividend forecasts for ASX-listed stocks. Stay informed with independent thought leadership. We've built tools to help you construct, monitor, and maintain your portfolio, including our Portfolio Manager. Integrated with one of Australia's leading portfolio tracking tools, ShareSight, Morningstar has been empowering investor success for over 35 years. We're passionate about your outcomes and are here every step of the way as you achieve them. Take out a free four-week trial to access our resources. Find the details in the episode notes. Okay, so we mentioned earlier that we were going to talk about speculation using options, so let's go through a bit of data here. According to the Wall Street Journal, which used data from the Chicago Board of Options Exchange, the buying and selling of options has roughly quadrupled in the US in the last five years. There is also data that indicates that the notional value of options activity in the U.S. is set to exceed the stock market for the first time. This year, the daily average notional value of single stock options is $450 billion in the U.S., 
compared to $405 billion for the underlying shares. And this growth is accelerating. In 2019, the Options Clearing Corporation, which supports option trading, cleared 4.4 billion equity option contracts in 2020. That figure was just north of 7 billion. And in 2021, through 11 months, it is 8.6 billion. So Mark, what's going on? Yeah, well, people are obviously trading a lot of options, (laughs) but this is another example of the Robinhood effect on trading in the US. So Robinhood, the trading platform, well, options trading is free, just all the rest of the trading on it. And that obviously helps, but options trading is also a way to increase the leverage on your trades. That means that you will make a larger percentage off your investment if the share price goes up, and you will lose more if it doesn't go up. And by more, you will lose all of your money if the share price doesn't exceed the strike price on an option when the contract expires. So people can quote unquote invest, and I'm obviously using that term very loosely here because this is gambling. They can invest a small amount of money where the upside is that you can make a lot and the downside is that you lose it all. And because options with a shorter time until expiration are cheaper, these are the ones that these gamblers are gravitating towards. So what you're essentially choosing with a strike price is your bet. You're betting that in the next week, the price of a share will exceed that price. And because trading platforms like Robinhood have made these apps, they make it very easy to trade. You can just do it at any time, right? Like you're stopped at a red light, Shawnee, trade some options. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're sitting in class, trade some options. Waiting in line at the pub, trade some options. I think you're the only one that's at the pub during market hours, Mark. Yeah, really? (laughs) So, you know, if I had a dollar for every time I was at a pub with you during trading hours, (laughs) I wouldn't have to invest. And we could just rename this podcast Drinks with Shawnee and Mark. And we'd probably have 10 times as many listeners. I think you're overestimating that. I don't think we're that interesting, Mark, to be honest. Okay, well, what about that martini story? You know, that was interesting. You had to choose between making it a dirty martini, using the citrus. Yeah, okay. You you see my point. I get it. I get it. All right, let's go back to options trading. So not only has there been a huge increase in options trading, it has also been very concentrated in so-called meme stocks. And there is this notion out there, so similar to the short covering, which started this all, that trading options can manipulate the share price and drive it higher. And the reason that people think this, and frankly, the reason that it may be true, is because option market makers or the people ensuring liquidity in the market have to hedge call options by buying the stock. That makes the stock go up more in price. And as the price approaches the strike price, they have to buy even more shares to continue to hedge their position. It is next to impossible to know the true impact of this behavior, but it undoubtedly has an impact and it's perceived to have an impact. Yeah, and these option traders are doing the same thing that they did with shares like GameStop, where they're trying to force shorts to cover. So they're organizing on Reddit or other chat rooms. They're using social media to create a sense of FOMO. And that just drives more interest. And companies like Robinhood are furthering this by creating features on the app that show you the top traded companies and options. So I think the question is, why should people care? If I'm an investor in Australia and I don't trade options, should I be concerned? And how is this going to impact me? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, the world is full of knock-on effects. And one of the biggest things we need to watch out for as investors is speculative excess. Because history has taught us again and again that at some point, speculative excess will lead to a bear market. And I can say with 100% certainty that this time isn't different. And I don't know when this is going to happen, but it's going to happen. And this stuff spreads. So if I was sitting in Iceland in 2008, reading about how people in Florida making $50,000 a year were buying 10 houses and putting zero down on them all, 
I probably wouldn't think that this would impact me, but of course it did. And we want to be clear that we aren't saying that options trading in the US is going to be the cause of the next bear market. What we are saying is that options trading, just like increases in margin borrowing or people saying buy the dip after one down day or what's happening with these meme stocks are all signs of speculation. And speculators aren't investors. They're not doing what we encourage on this podcast. Their motivation is different. They don't want to become financially independent through long-term investing. They want to get rich immediately. And this motivation will lead to poor decisions and those poor decisions will impact us all. Yeah. And, and to be clear, I would, I would love to get rich immediately. We could be eating that burger right then if we didn't right now, yeah. if we didn't have to work <laughs> and if I could walk down those stairs. But my disdain for all this behavior isn't because I don't want the same outcome as all these people and it's not because I'm not sympathetic to what they want, because I know that I have no idea when the market will turn, only that it will turn. And I don't want to be the one left holding the bag when it does. So if you're a long-term investor, stay a long-term investor and stick to your plan. Stick to it now and understand you are going to live through multiple bear markets that happen at an unknown time and that you will get through it. Okay, I know this is a self-assessment, but do you think that we made it through and made this relevant? I think so. Okay, well, I think so too. Um, and that's the only important thing, right? But let us know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> email us and let us know. Also email us. And once again, my email is in the show notes. If you have any suggestions for future episodes... And also, we would love comments and ratings on your podcast app. Anything else to add, Shani? Go try the burger at the Gidley. Yeah, go try the burger at the Gidley and don't hurt your back like me. But thank <laughs> you guys for listening. Any advice in this podcast is general advice or regulated financial advice under New Zealand law prepared by Morningstar Australasia Proprietary Limited and or Morningstar Research Limited without reference to your financial objectives situations or needs. You should consider the advice in light of these matters and any relevant product disclosure statement before making any decision to invest. To obtain advice for your own situation, contact a financial advisor.